All right, and then um, besides that, we're, I'm really thankful for Jonathan Whitmore. He uh, works for Crew as an MTL with his wife, Kristen, and um, has part, partnered with me in part, uh, doing this church and is on our leadership team. Most of all, he's a close friend of mine, so that's why he's preaching. I don't know. I'm really thankful for him. So go ahead and welcome him up. How's that? Is that all right? Good stuff. Um, yeah, Wilson is a close friend of mine as well. Um, that's why I'm speaking. Because <laughs> I like him. He asked me like a bunch of times, not because I'm good at speaking, but because we're friends. And I finally said yes. So I'm doing the setup role this week because next week I think Wilson's probably closing our time in John um, that we've been in. Um, I, you know, I just wanted to say first, since I am up here, that I really am grateful for this church. I'm really thankful for the opportunity to, um, yeah, just to be involved in a church that really cares deeply about mission. Um, you know, my wife and I live down the street, and uh, we work with college students. Um, so we're on staff with an organization called Crew. It's an international missions organization. Uh, we've been on staff for about 12 years. And... Uh, our job is kind of to oversee a team in the area, like North Orange County and Long Beach, um, to help lead and coach student-led movements. Um, so, you know, we love doing that. Um, and, uh, but I, I think just in the last year and a half, when Wilson invited us to become a part of Renew, um, for the first time, I think we got to plug into a church where it really felt like our role on staff with crew and being involved with the church uh, dovetailed. You know, like there was actually cohesion and we're going in the same direction. And not that the churches we were involved with before weren't, but that, man, there's just so much uh, similar DNA to what we do on campus and what's going on in this church. And so um, it's just a privilege to like be involved here with you guys and to continue to get to know different people in the church. And, um, and I love Wilson. Wilson, as you guys, many, most of you know, he's just a great leader and a great pastor um, and a man of integrity. Um, and I'm really just grateful that he's kind of leading the ship, um, captain of the ship. Uh, so it's been fun to, to be involved, and I look forward to many more years of partnering as, as crew and Epic and Renew uh, move forward. Um, <clears throat> well, as is... Uh, tradition here, which I really like. Another thing I think Wilson does well is he encourages us to talk to each other. And so I'm going to do the same thing. Um, and so I have a question for you guys. Um, you know, I was trying to take after Wilson and ask you like about your biggest struggle in life to start the service. Uh -oh. um, did I do that? Uh, let's see. There you go. Well, I'll read it for you, and hopefully by the time I'm done reading, then uh, it'll be up there again. But anyway, if you would, break up into a group of two or three, just people around you. Um, and here's the two questions. So what has been one of the biggest disappointments in your life? Um, and have you had a moment in life lately where you've really felt like giving up? Okay, so what's been a, one of your biggest disappointments and just a moment in life where you felt like giving up? I know many of you guys finished finals recently, so you probably felt like giving up then. So there you go. I'm giving you, giving you an answer. 
But yeah, break up in just a group of two or three. I'll give you a couple minutes, and then I'll bring us back. All right, I'll go ahead and bring us back. Um, sounds like there's lots of disappointment out there. Um, <clears throat> well, uh, you know, like I said, we, my wife and I uh, are on staff with Crew. We're in vocational ministry. Um, we love being in ministry. It's fun. Um, I feel like it keeps me a little bit young because I work with college students. Um, so I appreciate that. We've been married for 10 years. We have a daughter who's seven, Lucy, probably seen her running around. Um, so we have a lot of really cool things going for us in life. It's fun. Um, but even though we love our job and we, lo- we love our family, um, it doesn't mean we don't struggle and have some deep disappointments in our life as well. And, um, you know, specifically for us, uh, we've really struggled to combat the disappointment that we've faced. For the last four and a half years, we've been trying to adopt a second child into our family. And uh, just to kind of get you up to speed with what that's looked like, we, um, yeah, tried after Lucy turned two, we were like, you know, like everybody else, it's time to have another kid. Um, We wanted a second, and so we tried the traditional way for about a year, Um, and we had a couple miscarriages, um, which was hard, but at the end of that year, um, we just decided, I think we need to pursue adoption, and we had talked about that when Chris and I first got married, and so it just felt like a logical time to start, and so we pursued an international adoption with Ethiopia, and um, after about two years, that closed. And um, we kind of saw the writing on the wall, so we decided in, uh, in the midst of that to start a domestic adoption through a private agency, um, which was about two years ago. And then um, also about a year ago, we kind of opened ourselves up to the foster system. So pretty much like any way that you could ever adopt a kid, we have or are doing that. Um, And, uh, you know, in the four and a half years uh, that we've been in all these processes, um, there have been many moments where we felt like um, this is never going to (laughs) happen. This just feels like it's never going to happen. But there's also been some moments where it's felt really close, like, oh, I think this might actually go through. One of those moments was this summer. Um, We uh, got matched with a birth mom through the foster system. And uh, it was about three or four weeks before her due date. And, uh, and so, you know, we kind of were excited. We anticipated this birth. We put all of our plans on hold and, uh, you know, kind of reserved the summer to this new adjustment of welcoming a baby into the family. Well, we waited and her due date came and then it went. Um, and about five days after her birthday, her due date, um, we got a call from our social worker, and she said to us, um, hey, you know what, the mom actually already went to the hospital, had the baby, and brought the baby home. And, uh, you know, needless to say, (laughs) we were pretty crushed. Um, And I would say, like, the days and the weeks following that phone call were probably some of the hardest of my life to this point, and my, my wife would probably say the same. Um, it was just extremely disappointing. For four and a half years, we have been, we believe, and we still do, that adoption is part of God's plan for our life, um, for our family, um, yet we've seen no results 
in spite of our best efforts. And I imagine that if you've been walking with Jesus for a while, you also have had some disappointments um, along the way. That as you've chosen to follow Jesus, um, you've, you've encountered some unfulfilled desires. And you, you come to, your, you know, um, when, we, when we first put our trust in Jesus, right, we, hopefully we, we come to this point where we recognize who he is, we recognize the depth of our sin, and we say, Jesus, man, I want to go to the ends of the earth with you. I'll follow you anywhere. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. Um, and that's the best, man. Like, that's, that's the way it should be. But what is it that happens along the way? What is it? Why do we come to these moments in life where we find ourselves thinking, man, this just isn't turning out the way that I thought it was going to? This following Jesus thing is not turning out the way I thought it was going to. Well, this morning, um, you might be in the middle of some deep discouragement in your life, or maybe recently you have failed significantly, or, um, you know, whether that's in a job or a class or um, maybe a sin barrier that you've crossed that you never thought you would. Um, Or maybe you're just kind of plagued by apathy and distractions. And so there's not this, like, motivation and excitement to follow Jesus that you first had Um, Well, I want you to know that following Jesus does not exempt us from times where we want to give up. Um, However, I do think that Jesus uses our deep disappointments, our unfulfilled desires um, to reveal his holiness to us and to also remind us of our need for him by revealing our brokenness. And as a result, the cross is magnified in our life. And the good news is... um, We're not the only ones. Some of Jesus' best, Peter, encountered the same things. And so if you want to, if you got your Bible, you could turn to John 21 with me. That's where we're going to be. I have it on the screen, so that's free if you uh, want to use just follow along there. Um, So yeah, let me me read the first few verses. It says, um, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. They went out and they got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Um, I really like this passage, just as an aside. That's not in my notes, but um, yeah, it's just a good passage. You know, Peter kind of has, you know, he's encountered some disappointment in his life. And what's happening here is Peter steps up and he's like, hey, guys, I am going fishing, right? What is actually happening? Is Peter taking a day off? Uh, Nope, he's not taking a day off because, you know, Jesus wouldn't have a problem with Peter taking a day off. Jesus doesn't have a problem with us resting. In fact, he modeled rest. Um, But what is going on? Well, as we kind of look deeper into the passage, we see that, or we're reminded that, you know, Peter and a good handful of the other disciples were fishermen before they followed Christ, right? And uh, as a fisherman, um, that was their expertise, that was their career, that was how they made money. And that was their identity. 
And so what Peter's actually saying when he declares, I'm going fishing, is he's saying, I'm going back to a life that I can control, to a life that I can get my hands around. I'm bailing. At this point, you know, Peter's going off mission. He's going off calling. He's going off following. Um, And, you know, honestly, I'm not surprised that he would. Um, Because how discouraged can you get? If you, you know, have been kind of following in John with us, um, you've seen kind of that, you know, we've been talking about Jesus' um, death and his resurrection and kind of all the stuff that's gone with that. And for Peter, you know, he's been following this man, Jesus, and uh, he, for three years, has followed him around and has watched what he did, and he's grown to love the man. He's grown to love Jesus, and he um, has also, you know, um, come to this understanding, he thought, that Jesus was going to, he was here to stay, right? That he, he was building his kingdom physically on, on earth, and that Peter was going to actually get to be part of his cabinet, probably, right? Um, but now Jesus kind of just appears sporadically, and Peter's like, what is going on? And to top it off, we know that he had actually just denied this man three times right before he had died. And so I, can ima- I imagine that the week leading up to this, Peter's been thinking, man, this is just not turning out the way that I thought it was going to. And so Peter says, I quit. And the others are like, hey, that's a good idea. So they go fishing with him. Verse 4 says, Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, No. Stop there for a second. So, again, it's kind of reiterated that they fish all night and they catch nothing. Right? Uh... If they were discouraged before, this has to be the bottom, <laughs> right? Um, and isn't this kind of familiar to us, unfortunately? Aren't we prone to kind of a similar pattern? When we face deep discouragement, unfulfilled desires in our life, um, we kind of bail on Jesus, only to find that our other pursuits come up empty as well. You know, how. I think especially in our kind of wealthy Western culture in Southern California, we have so many things that we can run to, right? I mean, how many times have you found yourself up all night, like Peter, fishing for something, fishing on the internet, whether that's shopping, a date, pornography, whatever, you know, trying to finish a video game, fishing all night, trying to do that, fishing all night, Uh, binging on a couple seasons of Netflix, right? Like, we just have so many ways to go fishing. Um, And then we find ourselves watching the sun come up through these groggy, half-masked eyes, realizing, man, I am even more empty, more disappointed than I was to begin with. But what's cool is we see Jesus waiting on the beach, right, for Peter. And he yells out, hey, Pete, how's fishing? And they're like, it stinks, right? And then we get to verse 6. He said to them, cast your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. And so they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, which was John, 
Therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. Evidently, Peter is pretty excited to see Jesus, right? Um, he, you know, as Peter does, goes all in and just kind of dives in and, and swims to shore. Why would Peter be so excited to see Jesus? Well, this is not the first time that Peter has encountered a miracle like this. Um, this is not coincidental. In fact, it's very intentional by Jesus. Um, real quick, let's look at Luke chapter 5. Um, because I want to show you that something very similar happened before. Um, again, this is, uh, this is a, a fishing story. Uh, starting in verse 4 of chapter 5, it says, And when he, Jesus, had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I'll let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Uh, now we see a little bit of why Peter was so excited to see Jesus, right? See, this was that moment for Peter in his life where he said to Jesus, Lord, I will follow you to the ends of the earth. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. Because he recognizes, this is for the first time, Peter recognizes who Jesus is, that he is God. And he recognizes, he says, I am a sinful man. And so he says, my life is yours. I want to follow you everywhere. And so, you know, back to John 21, when Jesus says, push out a little bit, cast your net on the other side of the boat. It's very familiar to Peter. Um, it's as if Jesus is reaffirming his initial calling to Peter, right? And he's saying, Peter, do you want to see miracles? Do you want to live a fulfilling life? Do you want to live with purpose? Then stick with me. Verse 9 uh, says, when they got out to land, on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. And so Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish. It's nice of Peter to help this time. 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. <clears throat> this was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Um, there's a lot of really fun details in here, and I'm not going to go into all of them. But um, I will point out that when you're writing a short story like this, you only highlight the essential details, right? Like there's no point if you write if you have limited space 
to put in details that you don't need. Um, that's kind of a good principle to realize as we study the Bible anyway, but um, one of the details that I will pull out is in verse 9, it says that they were, they saw a charcoal fire. Um, interesting that John mentions that it's a charcoal fire. Uh, in fact, there's only twice in the New Testament that there is mentioned a charcoal fire. This is one of them. You might guess where the other one is, is actually in John chapter 18. In John chapter 18, we might remember we were there a little while ago, uh, Peter was present, it was at this charcoal fire, and he was standing outside um, with a bunch of the soldiers and um, the people of the town, and, and they inquired of Peter if he knew Jesus, uh, and, and Peter denied him three times, right? Um, you know, aromas kind of have a way of bringing back memories, right? When I smell like freshly cut green grass, I think of soccer and Little League when I was a kid. When I smell like ma tropical fruit, mangoes, it's good memories of my honeymoon in Kauai with my wife. When I, <clears throat> when I smell um, crisp, clean air and barbecue, I always think of San Luis Obispo, where I went to college, and uh, just memories of college kind of flood my mind. And I think that John points out that there's a charcoal fire here because Jesus had set up an aroma to bring back a memories, some memories for Peter, right? To remind Peter that he knows about his failure, but that doesn't disqualify him. You know, that Jesus is saying to Peter, hey man, I know about your failure, but I want you back. I need you back, Peter. Um, another detail that's interesting, and I won't go too deep into this either, but just that Jesus already has fish, <laughs> right? So note that, like, he doesn't need them to bring all this fish. They get there, and all of a sudden, you know, he has fish cooking already. Um, and so it's not that he needs Peter or us to do the work, but he wants us in the work with him. He invites us into the work. You know, you've heard of the Last Supper, the famous painting, this is the last breakfast, right? And I would argue that it's equally as important because in this story, we see a bunch of guys who Jesus has commissioned to carry out the very essential strategy that will win the world for Christ, but they're bailing. And so Jesus calls them in to breakfast and he reminds them that he needs them, he wants them in the work with him. Um, we'll kind of... Moving into application a little bit this morning, um, let me show you a chart. Um, we actually looked at this in our family small group about a year ago. Um, but I think that this is a cool picture of what's kind of happening in this passage and also um, what happens in our, in our lives as we, as we grow in our faith, as we encounter disappointment even. So... Just to explain the chart a little bit, you'll see at, it's kind of a timeline, and there's a point of conversion. And at conversion, which, you know, basically that's that moment in the boat that we looked at with Peter where he said, Jesus, I'll, I'll go wherever you want me to go. At that moment of conversion, um, we have a very limited view. Um, our awareness of God's holiness and our sinfulness is very limited at that point. However, as I grow in knowing God, 
my awareness of God's holiness and of my sinfulness grows, right? So it's not that um, God's becoming more holy (laughs) or that I'm becoming more sinful, hopefully, Um, but that my awareness of those two things are growing. And as a result, the cross looms larger in my life. I see more and more of my need for the cross, for my need for Jesus in my life. And I lean heavier on the cross. So as we think about Peter, right, this is happening because, um, you know, Jesus reminds Peter of his calling through kind of a dramatic replaying of his initial call um, by a miracle. He kind of reveals his holiness to Peter by showing him what only he can do. He reminds Peter of who he is, um, that he is holy, that he is set apart, that there's no one like him. Um, And then he also reveals to Peter that he knows his sin. He knows his failure um, through, through that aroma of the charcoal fire. What's the result? Well, we could read through Acts and we could see the result. But that Peter, again, is recommissioned, that he's redirected to lean heavy on the cross of Jesus. How about for us? You know, I ask the question, what about you? What about disappointment, discouragement, unfulfilled desires in your life? You know, I think this is really applicable for us as we face disappointment. I think that God wants our disappointment to increase our awareness of these two things. How do we become more aware of God's holiness? Well, I think that we need to commit time to knowing God, right? To knowing his character and who he is. Um, You know, if somebody asks me, what's the way that I can hear directly from God? The only place that I can point them to is the Bible. That's the one place where God speaks directly. And so it makes sense that if I want to grow in my awareness of God's holiness, that I have to read the Bible. So if you're not reading the Bible, it's going to be hard to grow in your awareness of God's holiness. I think we also grow in our awareness of God's holiness as we choose to let his spirit fill us up. Um, God gives us his spirit at that point of conversion. And so we have the opportunity day by day, moment by moment, to say, God, I want to follow you right now in this moment. And so as we do that, we'll become more aware of his holiness. I think as we live in community, you know, we talk about that a lot in church, but as we live in community, not isolated, um, we will grow in our awareness of God's holiness because God says in his word that he created man in his image, right? And so as we spend time with his image bearers, it's inevitable that we're going to learn a little bit more about God um, and become more aware of his holiness as we're surprised by people's personalities and the things that God has creatively crafted into people. Another way I think we grow in our awareness of God's holiness is by taking risks. And I, you know, am an evangelist by vocation, and so maybe this is a bonus or something. But, um, you know, one reason I love evangelism is because it puts me in the front row to see the stuff that only God can do. You know, when I interact with people um, on campus, uh, when I talk about my faith and I hear people respond and I hear about the things that they're thinking about, I get the opportunity to say, wow, God, that's amazing. Like, you're doing work outside of me that I've never seen before. 
And you know, I think it's easy to think about a story like this with Peter and the miraculous catch of fish and to think, God doesn't do miracles like that in my life. Like, um, but I think we need to think about, let's be honest, you know, are, are we putting ourselves in a position where if God was doing miracles, which I think he still does, would I be able to see it? Right? Am I in a place where I would get to experience God's holiness through the miracles he's doing in people's lives and around me? Or am I isolating myself? I'll bet you'll see more of God's holiness if you go feed a few homeless folks, if you go talk to a couple neighbors that you've never talked to, that you're scared of talking to. If you come on campus, talk to some disgruntled students, you'll be surprised by how God is at work in people's lives and in the world around us. You know, Peter responded to Jesus when he showed up on the shore. And I think we need to do the same as the Spirit prompts our heart. God's given us his Spirit so that we could know more of God and his holiness. And then finally, how can we learn more about our sinfulness? Um, Well, (laughs) I'm sure you guys get excited about that, right? Um... It's really the same things. As we read God's word, as we choose to be filled with his spirit and allow him to reveal our junk, um, as we live in community, we will learn more and become more aware of our sinfulness. And you know, I'll add that as we live in community, um, we, uh, we, part of living in community means living in the light. Um, as God reveals our sin to us, we have a choice what, what to do with that. And um, when we choose to pretend and live in darkness, really what happens is we truncate the cross in our life. It looks like this. We don't get to experience the cross the way that God intended us to when we're not living in the light with people, with our sin because we don't get to experience the forgiveness that he offers. We don't get to experience the comfort that comes from admitting our weakness and our failure and our sin. Um, And so we don't get to lean on the cross. We lean on our weak foundation of pretending that we have it all together. You know, I learned about 10 years ago that for me personally, I mean, I learned this before, but about 10 years ago I realized I need somebody in in my life every week once a week, checking in with me, asking me questions. Jonathan, how are you doing with sexual purity? How's your thoughts? How's your mind? And other areas of sin, how are you doing with your finances? Are you stewarding them well? How are you caring about your wife and your family? Um, Without that, I have been prone to do this. I'm prone to truncate the cross. I'm prone to isolate. I'm prone to live in the darkness. Um, And so I need someone consistently, weekly in my life asking me those things, not so that I'm a better person, but so that the cross is bigger in my life, so that I lean more heavily on Jesus and not in my ability to cover things up. Well, today you might be faced um, with some circumstances in your life, in your faith, where you're thinking, man, this just isn't turning out the way that I thought it was going to. And if not today, then you will (laughs) sometime soon because we live in a broken world and I hate to break it to you, but inevitably you're going to have disappointments. There's just going to be things that aren't turning out the way that you want them to. 
But I love this passage because Jesus shows up on the shore of our life to remind us of who he is, to remind us of his holiness, to give us the opportunity to see his holiness. And he also reminds us of our great need for him by revealing our sin and our failure. See, Jesus uses disappointments. He uses our unfulfilled desires to reveal his holiness and our brokenness so that the cross will be magnified in our lives. Let me invite the worship team up and I'll pray for us. God, thanks for your word. Thank you for um, Peter. He's just so relatable. And uh, God, we just confess that we need you this morning. That God, in spite of our best efforts, we still come up empty. We still find ourselves discouraged and disappointed sometimes. And Lord, we, um, we just need you in our lives. God, thank you that you are holy, that you're set apart. There is no one like you. And God, I just, um, yeah, I pray as we reflect on this passage this morning that, Lord, the cross would loom larger in our lives, that we wouldn't lean on our abilities to pretend, to perform, but, God, we would lean on you and on the cross. God, thank you for your grace that you extend to us. Thank you for this community. And uh, God, I just pray that you would increase, um, God, our intimacy with you, our knowledge of you, and uh, just our dependence on you. In Jesus' name.